1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: One hour in the books here on this Sunday morning edition of Overtime. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Riding with it until 105 before we dish the rock to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They'll get you warmed up for Washington Nationals. Baseball 135 first pitch uh, this afternoon. You can hear the game in its entirety on 1067 The Fan. Right now... We're getting to your calls, man. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, wide open. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It is at N-E-L-L underscore i I'm an open book for you all. Give me your thoughts on how Sam Howell looked in the preseason opener. Wanted to give you all my thoughts on the offensive line. want to hear your thoughts on the offensive line as well. And are you concerned about anything you saw up front from this Washington Commanders offensive line? 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It is at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Coming up in about mm, 19 minutes or so, about Grant Paulson, the host of Grant Danny Weekdays, 2 to 6.30 right here on the fan. He is set to join the program. He will give his thoughts and analysis on what the heck happened Friday night uh, with this first-team offense of the Washington Commanders. And I'm saying that like it was some type of ugly performance. Let me walk that back. All in all, if I had to give a grade to Washington on offense, hmm, As I sit here and... Wah, 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 wah. If I had to give an individual grade, i go B+. Plus. I go B plus. If I'm just grading the starters in their three series, I'll go B plus. Not thrilled um, that we had the penalties from Andrew Wiley, but I thought outside of Andrew Wiley and outside of the blunder from Charles Leno on the first play of the game, that group as a whole moved with good tempo. There was one instance, there was one instance that kind of got me. That where it was the first sign of this not being a completely clean operation. It was on. It was the first play of that drive of the safety. The safety obviously is bad. It was. The, it was the, on the play before that though. There was an issue, and I got to go back and rewatch the game over. Of there was some type of issue getting personnel on and off of the field. Uh, we saw a wide receiver run off late, in another. I think it was a tight end that ran on late. So a little bit of confusion there getting the right package in. But outside of that, totally clean operation. Didn't see a ton of, you know, pre-snap penalties. The tempo, I thought, was good. You didn't see them snapping the ball and waiting for the clock to wind all the way down. So it just seemed like, to me, Sam Howell was comfortable with the menu and diet of plays that Eric Bieniemy gave to him. And I want to see how that continues to grow and progress throughout the season. Because right now, like I continue to say about this offense, it is about process over results. The individual results in the game-by-game game and even play-by-play play results may not be good right now. May not be good right now. But to me, the process way more important. And I think what you saw Friday night, even though it wasn't a bunch, they scored one touchdown and it was against the backups, backups for the Cleveland Browns. With all that being taken into consideration, I still think, the process more important than the results, and then the process, to me, got off to a very good start uh, on Friday night. As we move throughout camp, though, I still have questions about this Washington Commanders offense. How much more is Eric Biennemi going to throw on Sam House plate? Because right now, all we've really seen is the quick passing game, and we've seen the screen game. In practice, <laughs> we're seeing four wide receiver sets, three tight end sets. We're seeing them go empty. A lot of different variations of this offense and a lot of different ways they can go, which is why I think the process is so important. It's about finding out what Sam Howell is comfortable with. That's all that matters right now. If he is truly going to be the guy that they go with week one and the guy that they're trying to prepare to play 18 weeks this year, you've got to make sure that he's got a menu and diet of plays that he knows like the back of his hand. And I thought Friday night he showed a good grasp and had a good handle on what Eric Bieniemy was asking him to do. The one thing that I love, and we saw this during the mandatory mini camp, more so than the early portions of the camp, timing, ball placement, accuracy, it all seemed to be in sync outside of a few plays on Friday night. And I do have some concern about the way that they look in the quick passing game because it's supposed to be get to that back foot, boom, football's out. There were a couple of times on Friday night where we saw Sam Howell have to evade pressure and have to hold on to the football a little bit longer. Credit to the offensive line, though, outside Andrew Wiley. Credit to the offensive line because they were able to give him time to go through his progressions but in this quick passing game I know they want him to if it's a five step drop when you get to that fifth drop, fifth drop boom balls out if it's a three step dr- drop boom balls out on the third step we didn't see that every single play on Friday night so that's something I know that Sam Howell and the company want to clean up moving forward but uh, we talked about Sam Howell in the way that he looked I want to talk about Jacoby Brissett for a second here as well because I don't want his performance to be overshadowed by the Bacon crisp performance of Sam Howe. From the eye test, and if you just go back and watch Friday night, Jacoby Brissett throwing dimes down the field. He scrambles for a touchdown, goes through his progressions really well. The one area that I was disappointed when it comes to Jacoby Brissett, and I talked about it at the top of the show, the one area that I was a little bit frustrated with, in terms of Jacoby Brissett's play, the interception before the half. The interception before the half kind of bothered me, right? Think about this, where they were on the field. They were in plus territory. He had three timeouts in 17 seconds. Let me repeat that for you plus territory at the Cleveland 46, three timeouts, 17 seconds. Points are mandatory. Mandatory in that situation. 110%. And I'm not trying to step on Jacoby Brissett. I'm just going to give you all real, honest evaluation each and every time. I don't have favorites. Like I continue to say, I want the best quarterback to play, right? And if that's Sam Howell, let Sam Howell play. If that is Jacoby Brissett, let Jacoby Brissett play. But Brissett's night would have been flawless if it wasn't for that boneheaded interception. And I'll continue to give you the details of the situation. Time and score matter so much in this league. Two-minute drills matter so much in this league. You have to get points. End of story in that situation. So for Jacoby Brissett, the throwing interception in that spot, not good. I know it's something that Eric Bietemi uh, and Tavita Pritcher were probably coaching him up on, but that's got to improve moving forward. And I expect more out of Jacoby in that situation because he is the veteran guy. He's been here before. He's been here before. I feel like as we continue to progress throughout the summer, though, you'll get a really good grasp as to why they brought Jacoby in. You're already starting to see it. I said it at the top of the show, even though, even though none of them look like world beaters at this point, you can just tell the quarterback room marketably better than what you had last year in terms of Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And at the end of the day, fans out there should know this. That's really the goal for us. What else do we honestly want? I mean, seriously. Seriously. What else could you ask for? You got JV-level quarterback play last year and still somehow managed to win eight games. So all you need from Jacoby or Sam Howell, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be Sam Howell, is a guy that's going to be a glorified game manager. And I understand a lot of the times that phrase of game manager has like a negative stigma to it. Why? Why? Why is that the case? I just want to win. If Sam Howell goes out next year throughout 18 weeks and doesn't even crack 3,500 yards passing, but we're winning football games, what else really matters? That's the hope, right? Is that he gets more comfortable with the offense. Let's hope that they're able to put more on his plate. And then let's see Sam Howell make plays and make guys around him better. I I still think the jury is out on Sam Howell as to what type of quarterback he could be. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all. I feel like his floor, which is why it's so crazy that a lot of you lunatics out there were slobbering and drooling for Taylor Heineke. You sound ridiculous. This kid's floor is better than Taylor Heineke's ceiling. Let me repeat that for those of you out there who are hearing impaired and don't understand what I'm saying. Sam Howell's floor is better than Taylor Heineke's ceiling. The kids got the goods. It's just about, can he put it together on a down-in and down-out basis for 18 weeks? Consistency, to me, is going to be the number one thing that we need to be judging Sam Howell off of. Because when it's good, it's great. When it's good, it is amazing. Mwah! Chef's kiss. But when it's bad, uh, I don't know. Makes you second guess the decision to go with Sam Howell when it looks bad, but lucky for us, week eighteen against Dallas, training camp, and the preseason opener, we've seen a lot more good than we have bad from Sam Howell. So I'm comfortable with what slinging Sammy Howell has shown to this point. I'm ready to see him take another step. I'm ready to see them put more on his plate offensively, and I think we won't really see that until week one. Against the Arizona Cardinals. But all in all, I think they're in a really good spot right now at the quarterback position. I, I really do believe that. And I know all of you out there, I, I was accused of of flip-flopping this past week. Flippity, floppity, flippity-foo. Like I'm some sort of fish out of water. It's not what I am at all. I just am calling it how I see it. Last week, I felt like I... Gave a hot take, and it wasn't supposed to be hot at all. I was just telling you the way I see football and the lens that I watched the game through. The best quarterbacks got to play. The best quarterbacks got to play. Meaning, by week one, if Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett are close to each other and Jacoby's got an edge, I'm playing Jacoby because there is no room to me to be developing a second year quarterback in year four of a five year deal. Luckily for this team, Friday night was a really good sign. I don't think there's that much development left to go with Sam Howell, But there are plays that are going to make you scratch your head and wonder, man, if a veteran was in there, would it be better? The sack that he took. Really nice job by Jim Swartz, disguising pressure, sending a delayed blitz from the secondary. Sam Howell talked about it. Uh, And the presser that we just played, he saw it, didn't get the ball out quick enough. During the regular season, when teams take on Washington, I'm pretty sure we're going to see a very similar game plan. Put pressure on Sam Howe, try to disguise your coverages and confuse him. Because if you can rattle a young quarterback pre snap and they're having to think once the ball is hiked instead of just playing. You win. But I think as Sam watches more tape and sees more coverages, he'll know what to do in those situations. That's just the way the game works. And quarterback is such an interesting position for that very reason. For that very reason, you get better each and every time you step on the field, which is why to me, all of this is kind of ludicrous. Because guess what? Guess what? Maybe Sam Howell beats that blitz that happened Friday night if he would have played sooner last year. But for whatever reason, we will never get the answer to the question of why it took them until Week 18 to throw Sam Howell out there. And I'll repeat what I said in case you just missed it. Right? The blitz and the sack that Sam Howell takes Friday night, maybe he doesn't take that if he plays sooner last year and he's able to get more on his plate and see more coverages and go through more game plans and get blitzed. The quarterback position, man, trial by fire. You got to play young guys. That's why I don't believe in this notion of, oh, we got to send our young signal caller because he's not ready. The hell with being ready. You got to come out the womb ready. You are an NFL quarterback at this point. You got to be born ready. And based off the work ethic that we saw from Sam Howe last year, dating all the way back to last training camp, where each and every day for like 13 practices straight, He's the first guy on the field and the last guy to leave. That's why they trust and believe in Sam Howe. But the sack that we saw him take Friday night, don't be surprised if issues like that continue to reoccur throughout the early portions of the season. He's got to see everything. He's got to see coverages, different coverages. He's got to be able to find answers when pressure comes. The hope is, moving forward, he gets quicker and quicker and quicker at that. I'll continue to say it. When I describe this commander's offense, I'm more worried about the process than the overall results. Meaning, yeah, the result of that play ended up being a sack, but the process, now he's gone through that. He's seen that type of coverage and that type of disguised pressure. So next time he sees it, he goes, you know what? Boom. I remember week one of the preseason against Cleveland. They tried to set me up that way. Let me know where my hot read is. Can't wait to watch the growth and development of Sam Howell as the regular season unfolds and as the summer continues to progress. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, as promised, the co-host of Grant and Danny, Grant Paulson, set to join the program. He'll give us his thoughts and analysis on the Commander's Week 1 preseason performance. That's next right here on The Fan. Just getting rolling here on this Sunday morning edition of Overtime. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Riding with you until 105 before we dish things over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. They'll get you warmed up for the series finale of Nats and Athletics. The Curly W is trying to make it a series sweep. K-Bear Ruiz icing his veins last night. homering for the second straight game. And we'll see if the Nationals can complete the sweep. They've been playing good ball post-All-Star break. It is a 135 first pitch. And per usual, you can hear all of the action right here on the fan. Right now, I want to go out to the BetQL guest hotline. It is where we are joined by our pal Grant Paulson. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Grant H. Paulson, what's going on, GP? How you doing? Manel? what's good, buddy? How are you? I am good, man. Breaking down preseason game number one. Overanalyzing, as always. is what we always do in this industry, man. But give me your initial thoughts uh, as to what you saw from this uh, first team offense and defense on Friday night,
1: yeah, I think the first thing that's got to be said, and this isn't to try to take away from the first team offense, mm-hmm. but obviously a plethora of the best players on the Browns defense didn't go. Yeah. You start with that, and on top of that, the first two drives against the, you know, the proverbial starters for the night, like the first group out right. there, uh, didn't go nearly as well. And then some of those guys came off the field before they had their success in their long drive, but. You know, I'll separate that for a second and Mm -hmm. just say it's so important in that first preseason game, Linnell, to have something positive to go back and use with you on the practice field. And so I really like that they kept those guys out there after those 10 snaps. It would have been really easy to call it a night, particularly on some wet conditions after the thunderstorm. And I think Rivera and company did a good job making sure that they got another drive to go get something, move the football. And it turned out to be a touchdown drive, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it allows for us to look at, Sam Howell with a larger sample size and see that I thought he was pretty decisive and and accurate. And I really liked the way he threw the ball. He spun it nicely. He was nine of 12. His three incompletions were on a couple throwaways and a drop by John Bates. I loved what I saw from Cole Turner specifically on the the drive where they really moved down the field and scored. We got to see Jahan Dotson, who I believe is ready to ascend into stardom, uh, make a terrific hands catch and get into the end zone. You saw McLaurin get involved with a reception. So, there was a lot of good, a lot of things that you can uh, pull from, but I think we we do have to grade on that curve of yeah. number one. <laughs> it was against kind of not even ones as much as one and a half, and, and even some of those guys were off the field.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know going into Friday night and really all summer long, the big thing that we have wanted to see with this Washington Commanders football team is one, how does Sam Howell look, and then this offensive line last year, GP, 27th in pass block win rate and was really in Achilles' heel of this football team. Do you agree with this? I thought Friday night outside of Andrew Wiley's two drive-killing penalties and then the opening play by Charles Leno, he just wasn't ready to come out and play football, it felt like. Outside of that, the offensive line I thought was pretty solid. Granted, you're going up against a Cleveland Browns front that doesn't have Miles Garrett.
1: Well, uh, maybe. I mean, the Wiley (laughs) factor is big here, right? I mean, it's hard to say aside from because that's your $8 million a year yeah. right tackle. The big fish. That's a big, big storyline. <laughs> you, you need to get good production from yes. him. Like the, the tap, Let's face it. The tackle spots on this offensive line this year have to be the areas they just don't worry about. Yeah. That's where you got your money and your veterans. And I'm fine with Charles Leno. I think people over-evaluate and over-rate, I should say, some of the struggles back after last season when he was banged up. He's not a pro bowler. He's not an all pro. If you're looking for Trent Williams walking through that door, you're going to be disappointed, <laughs> yeah. but he's fine. Like this is not going to be a, a reoccurring problem all year. In my opinion, I, I have been very concerned and I have talked all off season about yeah. my issues with the idea that Andrew Wiley is going to be a bookend stalwart right tackle. Uh, he gave up nine sacks last year, according to pro football focus. <laughs> now, they'll tell you and I think there's plenty of people mm-hmm. ESPN's uh, win rate in terms of pass pro graded him very favorably last year there, there's some metrics you can look at that say otherwise but I've talked to people who cover the Chiefs and are around that team who will tell you that the Chiefs never planned on him being their starting tackle they have kind of wow. always viewed him as a, a tweener tackle guard he got thrust into duty last year and he played pretty well like admirably he was a starter on a team that went to and won the Super Bowl he was a starter against the a defensive team uh, front and, and unit that had 70 sacks in a Super Bowl that shut them out and like he did good things I'm not saying he can't play right. but is this a guy that for the next 3 4 years you bank on being your starting right tackle like that's not how the Chiefs viewed it yeah. and, and my concern was always on the first day of free agency you sign for about half of what starting right <laughs> tackles make in this league if yeah. they're really really good now, maybe he just loves Eric the enemy that much, but <laughs> I don't know. My radar went up. So, right. color me interested, curious, yeah. skeptical, whatever. And then it, it was what it was the other night. I, I don't need to dive into it. I think everyone saw it. Yeah. Uh, I like left guard spot. I, I'm a Chris Paul believer. I see. I'm a truther. Can I give you an but update I, on
0: Chris Paul real quick, GP? So, they just yeah. went out to start practice. It is Sadiq Charles running with the first team right now. No, no sleeve on the calf. So, a full-blown competition still underway.
1: Yeah, so and, and the competition should be going, and, and there's no reason to, to call it yet. But he played so well. Speaking of Paul against the yes. Cowboys, that I, I believe this guy can play in this league. Uh, Sadiq Charles, you know, he gets banged up constantly, has injury issues. Uh, whether he wins the job or he doesn't, Chris Paul going to start more games in my opinion this year. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm not as concerned about left guard. I, I think Cosme is going to be fine at right guard. I love God. my questions are actually more about the guys they brought in that are veterans. You know, Nick Gates at center and his health and, and, you know, what he gives you, and then at right tackle with Wiley. That's what I'm interested in.
0: Yeah, the Nick Gates thing is interesting, GP, because the one running back screen that they attempted Friday night to Brian Robinson, Nick Gates' block was the crucial block. He wasn't mobile enough to go out there and cut off the linebacker, and it goes for no gain. I've talked to you about this on numerous occasions. Both of their free agent signings both Wiley and Nick Gates, to me, didn't make a ton of sense. You, you cut Chase Rouillet for being overpaid and off-injured, and then you replace him with another off-injured guy. So I'll be watching those two guys with a keen eye as the season progresses. You talked a little bit about Cole Turner, and I feel like the casual fan may not understand how important he's going to be to this offense this year. I uh, talked about it ad at, at nauseum over the offseason, man. The, his ability last year, GP, to switch his role when coming back from injury because in camp pass catching threat him and Carson Wentz had a great rapport then he comes back and they're using him as basically their lead blocker on some plays in, in that sif motion coming back and ear hole in defensive ends he's got an element of toughness to him that I was surprised about what do you think the ceiling is for this young man and how big of a role do you expect him to play
1: well I love the player yeah. uh, he last year had a disappointing season but remember, he was hurt, yes. and I think he was kind of chasing his tail. Like When you're a rookie and you're missing those reps right. and now you're trying to play catch-up, that's really hard. So I think in the end, he ended up with something like nine or ten targets and only a couple of catches. Um, but it was my favorite pick they made last year. He's yeah. a really good athlete. He can be a little bit of a mismatch. You saw with the footwork kind of at the second level, working against you know, linebacker or safety. I think he's going to win with choice routes. Uh, he's big. Yes. He's athletic. <laughs> he he can box you out, go up and, and get the rebound, so to speak. So there's, there's a lot of things I like. The, the catch he made on that third down middle of the field where they got him one-on-one, mm-hmm. he ended up getting like tripped up, shoelace tackler. It could have been a big game. That was a hands catch, like a super athletic, really nice kind of play that he's down around his knees making a catch with his hands away from his body. That showed me a lot. Yeah. The other thing I really like, because you mentioned this, with his blocking, you think of him as kind of like a – uh I'm not comping him to Jordan Reed, but remember Jordan right. Reed was like such a liability That's as a blind. blocker. He was just there to be a big receiver, and I've kind of thought of Cole Turner in the same light coming out of school. But he had a hell of a block. Go watch the 11 yard toss to Brian yes. Robinson, in their first nice run of the night. Like he literally drove a dude. He yeah. was off balance, in fairness, but he was driving a guy 10, 12 yards downfield. So if he can, you know, be an asset, it doesn't have to be great. But right. if he can be okay as a run blocker and do some things. You know, in line at the line of scrimmage, and then be the weapon that I know he can be as a pass catcher. He could be a really good option for them. You know, base is just a blocker. Right. The big question is going to be Logan Thomas. You were out at practice way more than I was. I mean, everyone's kind of giving him rave reviews for how he looks, and I thought he looked a lot more like the guy from a few years ago that caught seventy Certainly. balls than the banged up tight end when I was out there. But he's obviously not healthy right now, so if he misses time, Cole Turner's going to get a lot of targets oh, and a lot hundreds. of catches. If Logan Thomas is there, he'll be the the guy the offense goes through at tight end initially. But I, I'm a big believer in Turner. I just hope the kid stays healthy because I do think he's got big-time talent.
0: Yeah, that's the big thing, man, health for Cole Turner. I thought his mentality and the willingness to go be a blocker last year uh, showed a lot, and I think he garnered the respect of his teammates uh, from his efforts last year as well. I want to talk to you about defense. We texted a little bit uh, yesterday about this. I, I'll be honest, GP, my, my radar is going off about – the way that this first-team defense looked against the Cleveland Browns. Granted, they ended up getting the goal line stop but the opening drive for Cleveland, GP, with no Nick Chubb, no Amari Cooper, 12 plays, 67 yards, they eat up seven minutes of clock, and it felt like Elijah Moore was getting to the edges, they were getting gashed in between the tackles. What did you make of the starting defense's performance, and should we be concerned?
1: I wouldn't be. Uh, I was looking for kind of flashes and spurts and plays and traits more than anything, right? Like seeing the rush Chase Young had on the play where he got the stinger and almost sacked Deshaun Watson, like that to me was one of my biggest takeaways of the drive. Seeing Emmanuel Forbes on the third down on the goal line stand come downhill and, and help blow up a running back in the backfield, his willingness physically like write that down. Uh, Montez Sweat, not a surprise because the guy's outstanding (laughs) against the run with his length, but what he did on fourth down, like highlight that. So you're looking for those types of plays. There was a play that no one will think about where Casey Tuhill, uh, like just on a hustle play, showed incredible speed, honestly, (laughs) where he went and and helped blow somebody up with, I don't remember who the DB was out in space uh, to make a tackle, but like those types of just like flash, physical trait type moments, like that's more what I'm looking for now. In a regular season game, if they give up that type of room on the ground, that's a problem. Yeah. A couple of those chunks came on more gadgety things, whether it was you know an end around, some uh, more or uh, a scramble to Deshaun Watson or whatever that are kind of off schedule. Right. Having said that, what you were texting me about, and I think it's a really good point that I haven't thought a lot about recently, which is. They were bad at times against the run. They were. When they needed to be really good against run first teams in the second half of last year. Like, it, it became a problem. And for as good as this front is, and we know how good they are, right? right. This is Allen's been paid and Payne's been paid and, and Chase Young and Montez Sweater now vying to get big contracts. If one of them breaks out and has 11 sacks, they're going to get 25 mil. You know, all first rounders. You could run on this team last year, and I think getting Fedarian Mathis ideally healthy and back. I know right. he limped off the field. John Ridgway is a space eater. Uh, they should be able to stop the run. I, I think they'll be able to. But they're all so good rushing the quarterback. Like, right. it's, To me, it's hard when a guy like Deron Payne goes and gets 11 sacks and then gets paid, it's hard <laughs> to then get back in the meeting room and have people yell at you about how you need to play the run. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. John Allen had a big year where he had eight and a half sacks or whatever it was, and then he made $20 million a year or close to it. And now you, you're going to go back to to just trying to clog up the middle. Like right. I think they got a bunch of dudes who can get to the quarterbacks and, and want to, and so the, the the mix is going to be you know whether it's Ridgeway or it's Mathis or it's Obata or whoever it is, kind of doing some of that dirty work with their pocket pushers. That they got to find a, a balance there because I'm with you. You know that, that that's the key to this defense being right. top five, top ten, and maybe it's the only question mark I've got. I love how the secondary looks with the young kids and the speed. I think the D line is going to get to the QB. I guess the one thing about this defense, and the linebacking play is not (laughs) going to be great, is are they going to be good against the run or are they going to be susceptible there?
0: Yeah, that's going to be the key, man. And you know it come December and January when you're vying for playoff positioning, man, teams are going to want to come in here and try to push you around and run the football. Hopefully that is not the case. We are joined right now in the BetQL guest hotline. By our pal Grant Paulson, the co-host of Grant and Danny weekdays two to six thirty, right here on the Fan. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Grant H. Paulson. Grant, I'll let you go on this, my man. Anyone who stood out to you uh, that was like a a fringe roster guy or somebody that going in you didn't know if he was going to make the fifty three, but now you're, you're confident in that.
1: It's a good question. I don't know that um, there's anyone after the one game that I would say that about. Yeah. I think a guy that helped himself. I thought I liked the one return, even though it was called back yes. by Daz Allen. Um, yes. Like that to me is a moment he needed to have, and he had it. Uh, I would also say though, uh, Kemp, the big wide receiver, who's six yeah. foot four, who played for the Chiefs, he didn't make the catch because a blade of grass was underneath a, <laughs> in the front of his cleat. Right. But he made an really incredibly athletic attempt at a thirty-two yard reception on the sideline, and he's a, a special teams war dad here yes. you know, as I call it. Like that dude. Uh, played for B enemy, knows the offense, has played a lot of games in the NFL on teams. He could be a sixth wide receiver. I think Pringle's in. I've said that all along, yes. as wide receiver five. So I think there's one spot there. So maybe those two guys helped themselves in a competition for the same spot. Um, yeah. Defensively, I, I would just say that, I mean, I, I was really impressed with a lot of the, the backup secondary members. Yeah. I, I thought uh, your boy Christian Holmes. we got to get his birthday right, man. As, <laughs> What's that?
0: We got to get his birthday right, man. I showed you the roster. Yes,
1: we do. We do. But your boy, I mean, he I know you were raving about his camp and telling me he yeah. looked great. Like, I was super impressed with yeah. him. Uh, I thought he probably had as good or better a game than anybody. Uh, yes. So, not that I didn't think he'd make the team, but he's a bubble-ish guy when camp starts, and right. I think by now it's kind of you can put him in sharpie
0: Under 10%, man. Look, GP, will be tapped into the show this week. Appreciate you giving me some time, my friend.
1: Thank you, bro. Be good.
0: That is Grant H. Paulson, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host of Grant and Danny. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Grant H. Paulson, and make sure you check out Grant and Danny Monday through Friday, two to six thirty here on one zero six seven The Fan. Our producer in studio, Chris, just looked at me like a like a bat out of hell because I think we have butchered the commercial segment here. But we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk about some of what GP had to say including his thoughts on this Washington commander's offensive line. I want to get to that and break down what GP had to say a little bit more next right here on the fam.
1: I've talked to people who cover the chiefs and are around that team who will tell you that the chiefs never planned on him being their starting tackle. They have kind of always viewed him as a, a tweener tackle guard. He got thrust into duty last year and he played pretty well, like admirably. He was a starter on a team that went to and won the super bowl. He was a starter against the, a defensive team uh, front and, and unit that had 70 sacks in a super bowl that shut them out and like he did good things i'm not saying he can't play right. but is this a guy that for the next 3 4 years you bank on being your starting right tackle like that's not how the chiefs viewed it yeah. and, and my concern was always on the first day of free agency you sign for about half of what starting right <laughs> tackles make in this league if yeah. they're really really good Now, maybe he just loved Eric enemy that much, but I don't know. My radar went up. So color me interested, curious, skeptical, whatever. And then it it was what it was the other night.
0: It's Grant Paulson who just joined us in the last segment talking about Andrew Wiley and overall the performance of this commander's offensive line. Grant Paulson, very straightforward and honest with his analysis. The Kansas City Chiefs did not view Andrew Wiley as a long-term option at tackle. Washington deciding, you know what? We're going to give him a crack at it. He had two drive killing penalties on Friday night. We'll take another timeout. When we come back, I'll tell you how concerned I am about this commander's starting offensive line. That's next here on The Fan. Welcome back. It's overtime here on 1067. The Fan We're also simulcasted on our sister station, The Team 980, and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking you up to 105. Before we dish the rock to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler, they'll get you warmed up for Nats and Athletics. The Nationals looking to complete the series sweep. We were talking about it at the top of the show, man. The Washington Nationals playing very good baseball uh, post-All-Star break. Winners of 10, excuse me, winners of 7 out of their last 10, and they've won 11 out of their last 13 contests right here at Nats Park. So hopefully the home cooking continues this afternoon. Uh, when they look for the series sweep against the Oakland Athletics. We played you a clip of my interview with Grant Paulson uh, before we went to break in the last segment. And he agreeing with me, and I'm not trying to do a bit here where I I drag on a player, but for Andrew Wiley to have two drive-killing penalties, knowing the scrutiny that surrounded his signing from the get-go, I was very alarmed. I'm going to raise my eyebrow on this. I am, I am concerned. And it's not just about Andrew Wiley. It's about the overall depth at tackle to me. Your swing tackle, your first tackle off the bench would be Cornelius Lucas. He's somebody that has been solid, uh, throughout his career, it's been serviceable, but is best suited in a reserve role. Doesn't mean he can't start, but he's not your ideal starter. The tackle behind him, Trent Scott, <laughs> a complete dud to me. Hadn't been very good during camp. Hadn't stood out. I I wonder, I wonder what the plan is going to be for Eric Bieniemy and company. I really do. Because if you cannot trust Andrew Wiley, your biggest free agent signing of the offseason, let's call it what it is, right? The guy that you spent the most cheese on. If you can't trust him, where do you go? What are your other options? The the good thing about all of this, and I was gonna say the the lucky thing, but it's it's not really lucky. It just it just is what it is. Because they are running this West Coast system. Because they are running a quick game that is heavily predicated or, or a system that's heavily predicated on the quick game and the screen game, you get to protect your tackles more times than not. You can put a tight end on his side to chip. You can put a running back on his side to chip. But ultimately, the goal of the offense is for the ball to come out on time. I talked about it earlier. When he gets to that third drop, boom, football's out. When he gets to the fifth step, fifth step, boom, football's out. And then they want to attack teams with the deep ball off the play-action passing game. You don't need Hall of Fame tackles to have success on offense, but they've got to be serviceable. And when you have the issues that Andrew Wiley had on Friday night, let's call it spade a spade, right? That's not being serviceable. It's just not. He knows he's got to be better. I feel as if this coaching staff knows he's got to be better. I just wonder, and I was doing the Trapper Dive podcast yesterday morning with my guy, Jamal Forrest, and he, he brought up, there was an interesting discussion that came up between us and the fellas about, well, we know they just kicked Sam Cosme inside the guard. If Andrew Wiley continues to struggle, do they maybe kick Cosme back out to the to the tackle spot? Or maybe... Do they try Sadiq Charles at right tackle? I I need answers at the right tackle spot. I just do. I've got to feel comfortable about both of those guys. Like I said, they don't need to play like pro bowlers. They just need to be serviceable. And I felt like, for the most part, Friday night, during the three series that we saw this starting offense, I thought everyone was pretty good up front except for Andrew Wiley. Now, I mentioned the play that Charles Leno got beat on the first play of the game. It happens. But he overall I thought was pretty good. Sam Cosme had a couple of highlight moments going up against the Darius Smith, who normally abuses guards rushing from the inside because he's got the mismatch. Cosme though, using the strength in his athleticism to handle the Darius Smith. So I'm confident I'm confident about four spots along this offensive line. I am and, I, and I've reported it during training camp. I was surprised pleasantly surprised I would say. At the movement, this offensive line was able to get in the running game going up against this defense. I really really do believe that. It's just when you have one weak link along your offensive line, it's hard to mask that deficiency. Teams know that. Everyone watches film. You're going to put your best pass rusher going up against Andrew Wiley, and you're going to live with the results. You're going to live with the results. To me, it just it just feels like we're at a point right now, and we knew this was going to be a potential issue, right, as Grant Paulson laid it out for us. There were folks in Kansas City that were, thank God Andrew Wiley's out of town. That, that was the mentality from some folks up there. Based off of Friday night, I don't mean to be harsh, now he's our problem, right? Now we've got to deal with this. Hopefully, Sam Howe getting the football out on time and Eric Bieniemy calling good plays, hopefully the deficiencies of Andrew Wiley don't get magnified. Hopefully they don't get put on blast, so to speak, because that'd be that'd be tough. That'd be tough. I, I feel like as we progress throughout the offseason, as we get closer to week one. Andrew Wiley's got no other option but to improve. And here's the silver lining. The same thing I was talking about with Sadiq Charles and Chris Paul going up against Deron Payne and John Allen every day. Andrew Wiley gets to go up against Chase Young and Montez Sweat every day. Iron sharpens iron. We know he's only going to get better, but let's call a spade a spade. His debut Friday night was awful. And you hope and you pray for the success of this football team that he can clean that up as we inch closer toward the regular season. Get ready to start the 11 o'clock hour. We will take a quick timeout. A couple of big-time items still to get to here. We'll let you hear Josh Harris receiving the game ball from Commanders head coach Ron Rivera after the Week 1 preseason win on Friday night. I'll also give you some news. That's what I'll do next. Coming up next, the Commanders making a roster move at a particularly important position. I'll give you the deets next right here on The Fan.